where we empower you to make evidence-based, sustainable, and transformative changes for your health, leading to a more vibrant and fulfilling life. I'm your host, Abby Sacier, a non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and master's graduate from Columbia University. I believe that we can't make lasting or meaningful change single-handedly. So I'm so happy that you're here so that together you can see that a diet-free, sustainable, healthy lifestyle is possible, and you can leverage that to live a better life. And remember my disclaimer, this podcast is meant to give you general information and is not meant to substitute or replace medical advice, a diagnosis, or service treatment. I am so excited for this episode. I have my really good friend, Amanda Wallstead coming on to speak with us all about how to align our life to our menstrual cycle. And y'all know I'm obsessed with cycle syncing. We've talked about cycle syncing before. However, we're going to be diving into not just the nutrition considerations for cycle syncing, because we've talked about them in the future episodes, so definitely head to the show notes to see those. We're going to be kind of expanding beyond that. What are some other ways that you can align your life to your menstrual cycle through self-care, at work? movement, exercise, all of the things. Um, So this is really going to help you fully integrate into cycle syncing and really expand like the number of ways and just ideas you could align your life to your menstrual cycle. And it's not just through nutrition. So I'm really excited to chat with Amanda about this and Y'all, Amanda is just amazing. So we met at Columbia. We were getting our master's at the same time. I was getting my master's in nutrition and exercise physiology. She was getting her master's in nutrition and public health. She got her bachelor's from Cornell in communications. And you will hear in this episode, she is such a good communicator. She is so articulate, so knowledgeable, so evidence-based. And I just love that. And we share our values for a non-diet approach. We're just so aligned. So I really, I really love all that. She is a registered dietitian and she is the founder of Roots to Leaves and her online practice is a dietetic and lifestyle practice that supports women from post-birth control to postpartum. Love that. Love that. So definitely check her out and all of her social media stuff is linked up in the show notes. She has a focus for functional and holistic women's health. She's a certified yoga instructor. She's received training in yoga and also Ayurveda. She's just overall so fabulous. And I'm really excited for you all to hear her wisdom and learn more about cycle syncing. All right, y'all. See you in the episode. Hello, hello. Yes, we are live. Hey, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you on the Be About Being Better podcast. How you doing, girl? So, so excited to be here. I'm doing so well, just just like to be connecting with you and to be on this platform. So how are you doing so far? I'm doing great. It's a Friday we're recording. So happy Friday in the summer. Friday, happy Friday. Yes, exactly. A few <laughs> summer Fridays left. I know. It really has flown by. I like cannot believe it's August. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> where did things go? Went by so fast this year. Yeah. And most of the time I was just had my head in a book studying for the RD exam, which you know what that's like last year. (laughs) And congratulations again on passing. Oh, thank you. It's a big feat, but I'm happy to have that behind me. Um, So good. All right. So we start this question off with all of our guests. So definitely want to hear and dive into the deep end with you. What is something that you've been through, an obstacle, something that was really hard that now looking back that hindsight's 2020, you're really grateful that you went through that because it ultimately made you better. 
Yeah. So actually, I thought a lot about this topic. And considering the theme of today, I thought I would actually bring it into more of like a cycle-related challenge. Mm -hmm. So about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I all of a sudden started to feel like a very intense pain in my lower abdomen. And I thought it was just a cramp at first. So tried to ignore it, just moved on, like told the voice in my head, you're fine. Like it's a cramp. And then it just kept building and building. And it really got to the point where I was like kneeled over at some point and in so much pain, basically crying and still telling myself like, Amanda, you're being so dramatic. It's a cramp. Like just breathe through it. And then it got to the point where I actually thought I was going to be sick. So I ended up like running to the restroom, almost threw up, but then started to get super dizzy and like had spots in my vision, was shaking, was sweating, ended up like collapsing basically on the bathroom floor and like putting my head on the tile and just like closing my eyes and passing out there. Woke up the next morning and all of the strange like lightheaded symptoms were gone, but the pain was still really intense in that lower abdomen area. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, like trying to logic my way through it. Maybe you are just having some cramps and like this weird bout of food poisoning or reaction to something. So really trying to downplay my own pain and ended up going to work that day, ended up actually seeing clients. Mm -hmm. I think I called my mom and some friends and everyone was like, oh, I'm so sorry. That sounds like bad cramps. Yeah. And there was this like little voice in the back of my head that kept being like, this isn't a cramp. Like, Amanda, you know your body. You have studied your body in relationship to this. This is not what that feels like. And I kept just wanting to shush it up, very honestly. So finally, end of the day, I was like, you know what? I'll just go in. I'll listen to you. Fine. Just so you almost like stop bothering the little voice. I'll go in and get it checked out. And ended up getting a sonogram done. And the doctor came back in and was like, I am so surprised you were even able to walk here. I essentially had like a really large cyst that ended up rupturing. And the doctor basically said, based on the size of it, as well as like the severity of the bleeding that was happening around it, that she literally, I think, phrased it as like, this was a no joke cyst situation. (gasps) Oh my Um, gosh. And I had to like keep an eye out for bleeding, going into my rib cage, and if I couldn't breathe. And so it was this really scary and intense thing that my body went through. And the reason I'm really bringing it up in this context is because it really highlighted to me the importance of listening to that inner voice that we have as women. And as women, I think that we have been taught for such a long time to push down our pain and our discomfort and to do that in an effort of not being dramatic or overly sensitive or causing a fuss and the importance of not doing that, of pushing up against that and knowing that when that inner voice is coming in and is saying, you know, this doesn't feel right, or "Mm, like, this isn't going to serve you right now, or, you know, you don't feel good in this situation to really listen to that because you are your own best expert on your body and your own best health advocate. And to kind of continue to build that trust with yourself and with that voice is so important in the context of of women's health. Wow. Wow. That is a really powerful story. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you're so right. Like how many times do we get our period and we're like, all right, I'll just suck it up, Mm -hmm. throw some dirt on it, take some Advil, just suppress the pain versus using that as an indicator. How can I like really heal the pain and not just exactly work through it, but rest and allow ourselves to take a step back. A hundred percent. And again, and if the Advil ends up coming in, okay, but at least first acknowledging, you know, this is what my body is telling me right now. And how can I understand what that message is so that I can act from a place of 
empowerment or intention rather than just trying to shut off our connection to it or trying to suppress it. Yes, so. exactly. Oh, yeah. So is that what got you into cycle syncing or like what was the so journey that? After was that was a, <laughs> yeah, that was like a, a part of the cycle syncing journey, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it actually started when I starts a long time ago. So I actually was on birth control, hormonal birth control pill from the age of 14 till 25. So like a decade plus. Wow. And at that point, I actually responded like really well to it, if you will. I had no side effects, no mood swings. I didn't bleed for over a decade. Wow. And I sort of thought like this was the dream, right? Like this was great, like no periods. And that was the norm in my social circle that every young woman that I knew was either on hormonal birth control, either the pill or the IUD. So I really didn't question it. And then it was actually during a yoga training uh, that I met a woman who was a little bit older than me who had never been on birth control before. And she was saying something like, oh, I'm actually lower energy today because I'm in my luteal phase. I'm going to take it easy. And it was like a different language to me. And it just started to dawn on me in that moment, like, wow, I actually do not understand what my body feels like without synthetic hormones. I don't know what I look like or feel like as a fully embodied, you know, adult woman, Amanda. And so it kind of sparked my interest in getting off of it. And literally like that day, there really wasn't too much thought after that. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm I'm done with birth control pills. There wasn't much thought there, but what I did think was, okay, Uh, I'm going to meet this like beautiful, incredible version of myself off of birth control. And that was kind of my my thought going into it. Yeah. And that is just not what happened. The next three to six months, I had excruciating cramps, like nausea, throwing up sometimes, crying, not being able to walk for like three days. My digestion like seesawed all over the place and I had no idea why my kind of teenage acne started coming back up. Um, And I had that ruptured cyst happen in that time period too. So I ended up going to OBGYNs and trying to talk to my healthcare team at the time, asking about what I should do. And their response was sort of like, well, this is a part of being a woman or you can go back on the pill. And and I was just like, that that can't be the answer. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. It's like that cannot be the only answer. And I understand why that is approached. That's a whole other conversation. But it was not – an empowering response for me. Mm. So that's what got me to really start digging. And I discovered some amazing resources, you know, Dr. Viva Rams, lovely. Um, Alyssa Vriti, is that her name? Yeah, Alyssa Vriti. Yeah, I love her. Alyssa Vriti with a cycle syncing. I mean, that really started to create the foundation. I looked more into different cultural period habits mm. over the centuries. And then I started to really examine my own inner landscape and, you know, started to notice, okay, maybe I'm feeling irritable on this day, but is there a reason? Can I see if there's a trend that's coming up? Can I start to connect the dots? Is my digestion, you know, feeling more sluggish at certain time periods? And essentially through these practices, what I learned is that I'm not going to let my cycle control me. And I'm also not going to try and control it. So Mm. rather I'm going to form relation with it and find a way to really listen, right? Like we we're talking about listening to what the messaging is, yeah. understand it and honor it. So that's what got me into kind of sinking to my cycle. And after doing that for, I think it was like three or six, no, three cycles consistently, it was like my period barely phased me. And so at this point I've seen firsthand how powerful it can be. Mm-hmm. And I've also now watched my clients 
really see how much it can play a role in their overall health. Yeah. I love that you said that you are partnering with your body because that forces yeah. us to turn inward versus looking to external cues, external totally. things to tell us what to do with our body. It allows us to recognize that we do have an innate wisdom and we can trust mm -hmm. our body. And if we want to have a better relationship with our body, food, exercise, our cycle, all of the things are just ourselves in general, we have to have that partnership. We have to spend time with it. And so often mm -hmm. we are living outside of ourselves, looking outside of ourselves for the answer where oh, yes. we yeah. can feel so much better and actually see the answers that we desire by turning inward and partnering with ourselves. Completely agree. And to your point too, I think we often move through life trying to kind of change our outer environment in an effort to change our inner one. When mm. really, if we actually go inward, like you said, and just start to sit into that and see what's coming up. And rather than trying to fight against that, but just have that, that befriending, that partnership. I love the word partner that you use there to be able to be like, okay, this is what's going on inside. It's not good. It's not bad. There's no judgment, but how can I be curious about it? And with that, mm. what messaging can I gain from it? Be like, okay, well, now I can see that I probably want to respond this way instead of this way. Right? Yeah, start to make little subtle shifts like that. Oh, I love that. Yes, getting away from judgment, leaning into curiosity. Yes. So good. Okay, great. Can you run us through? I know I've mentioned it on the podcast a lot, and I think it's also beneficial for our audience to hear from someone else as well. But just run through the different phases, their season equivalents. Like, how would you, what would be your elevator pitch for the different phases of your menstrual cycle? So I, I love this topic. I could like, <laughs> I feel like I could speak about this for like hours on end. Yeah. Um, but basically, and I know your listeners have heard about this a little bit before, but it's the idea that we have these four phases of our menstrual cycle. And with them, there are kind of four corresponding seasons that allow us to generally understand the ebbs and flows that are going on with those different phases. So we have the menstrual phase or winter, if you will. And that really starts day one of our cycle is marked by our, by our bleed. So our period, and that's caused by a dip in hormones. So hormones are at an all time low. That means that energy is at an all time low. So if we consider our menstrual period, that menstrual phase as a time of winter, well, then it makes sense. It's intuitive that we would think of it as a time of hibernation, of going inward, of moving slowly, of listening to what the body needs. Mm. I always like to tell people when they're just starting to get familiar with cycle thinking that when it comes to the uh, menstrual phase, it's kind of intuitive to think that you want to be like warm and cozy, the same way that you want to be warm and cozy during winter, Yes. right? So you probably on that first day of your bleed, you want to have like soups and stews and a warm cup of tea and a, and a hot water bottle. You don't really want to like jump into a freezing cold ocean and like drink a smoothie. So again, if we think about it in terms of winter, it, it's really intuitive in terms of what we would want to do to soothe ourselves during that time period. Mm. And one other thing I do actually want to add about the menstrual phase in particular, because I think that what I hear coming up around this topic is that when we talk about going inward and thinking about hibernation during that winter menstrual phase, that there's this idea that we're hiding. And that is something I really want to make clear is that this is not a time of fleeing. I think periods have a long history of being viewed as dirty or shameful, and that's not what we're talking about here, but rather a very intentional and empowered choice to go inward, to connect with yourself. And that's kind of how periods have been honored across various cultures from Indigenous America to India for centuries as a time of strong 
intuition and connection to self and and to nature and general womanhood. So just want to add that little caveat on there for periods. Yes, I love that. Yeah. So then then the follicular phase, right, mm-hmm. which for the sake of simplicity is, is right after the menstrual phase to ovulation. And that's when estrogen is getting back up. We have our energy starting to rise. We get that spring back in our step. So the season of spring, no, no surprise there. Things are starting to blossom and bloom. And then we have ovulation, mm-hmm. which is marked by that LH surge, that release of the egg from the ovary. And that's our summer, right? Things are a little hot and heated. No coincidence that libido is, is starting to, to get high and peak <laughs> then too. And then we have luteal, which is really more of a roller coaster lasting from post-ovulation to right before our period. And it's marked by that high of progesterone followed by like a second wave of estrogen and then a dip in hormones. So things are really changing internally during this time period. And that's just like autumn or fall with the change of the leaves and the dropping of the leaves preparing for winter. So those are the the four overarching phases. We have menstrual winter, follicular spring, ovulation summer, and then luteal fall. Awesome. Thank you. You said that so well and just so graceful. You're just, oh, I love it. And (laughs) there are definitely exercise, lifestyle, self-care, productivity, and nutrition considerations for each of the phases. And y'all know if you've been listening to the Be About Being Better podcast for a while that we've talked about nutrition a bunch. And we will continue to talk about it, but I'm going to link that up in the show notes so that you can listen to a previous episode on the nutrition considerations specifically for each of the phases. I really wanted to bring Amanda on to speak to some of these other components of movement, self-care, and work-life balance, productivity, all of those things that you can really align your whole life to your menstrual cycle. So let's start with movement. Amanda, how would you recommend that somebody start to align their movement to the different phases? And like, what are some of the exercise considerations that you have? Yeah. So again, I think this is such an interesting topic, especially with movement. And Abby, I'm not sure if you've seen, but there have actually been a couple of articles coming out in the last few weeks, months, pushing back on this idea that we should be aligning our movement to our cycle. Have you seen those popping up? I've heard rumblings, yes, but I need to look more in depth myself. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to see and to read. So I just want to nod to that a little bit because I think it's important to remember that with most topics related to women's health, there is not the best research available. Right. Um, And so we need to kind of keep that in mind when we're talking about these things. Because just because the research isn't there doesn't mean that it's not valid. There's just a gap. And I think that's really important. And with that, what we can start to understand is we do know how hormones fluctuate in the body. We do know the impacts that those can have on the body. So even if the research isn't clear cut on movement and cycle phases, we can use that information to infer how our energy is going to be with movement, how our body is going to respond to movement and, Mm. and so on. And with that, I'll just add to that, you know, every woman is different, different ebbs and flows going on, potentially different ranges of hormones. So it's never like a one size fits all approach, but Mm -hmm. just a general framework. And with that, you can start to tune into you and see what kind of movement is going to be the most beneficial and honoring of what your body needs. So with all that in mind, uh, we have the menstrual phase. And again, this is marked by that lower energy, right? So with lower energy, 
a little intuitive to then also start to think, okay, lower movement, slower movement, lower impact. So oftentimes it's the time of rest, but with a little bit of movement. So especially for like releasing cramps or relieving tension with our cramps for uh, trying to boost mood for supporting overall body and circulation. So a great time to be doing yin yoga, gentle stretches, a walk in nature I love. So connecting yes. back to that nature too. I would say that's that's what really marks the menstrual phase. Now, if you are someone who really wants to work out while you're on your period and there are some women who get a surge of energy during this time too, always listen to your body, but then I'll just add in the note of making sure you're really well hydrated to prevent also feeling lightheaded as well during this time. Great. So that's that's menstrual. Then we have follicular. And again, energy is picking back up. And so with that, it makes sense that we'd want to engage in more active exercise. So a great time for cardio or for more higher intensity kind of workouts, a powerful yoga practice or vinyasa or cycling or, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Then ovulation. I mean, this is when energy's peaked, motivation's peaked, in many ways, confidence is peaked, socialization's peaking. So it's really important to, or I think it can be very important, I should say, to use that, to go to group workout classes, go for runs with friends, do the hit class that you know you're going to feel really confident and great in. Um, I also find that it can be, depending on your personality, a great time to engage in some very mild but healthy competition. So for me, I know this is when I love to do an Ashtanga yoga class because I'm in competition with myself and I feel confident in that. And I'll also just add that for both the follicular phase and the ovulatory phase, more so follicular, we're at a slightly increased risk for injury. And that's because estrogen uh, starts to cause our tendons and our ligaments to be a little bit more lax. And that's something that research has actually shown time and time again. So if you are a trainer or an intense athlete, a good time to just be mindful of your limits and maybe bring in you know, some collagen or some vitamin C as a little extra buffer, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have luteal. So again, during the luteal stage, we have different states of energy depending on that first half or second half. Um, but in general, especially in the beginning, we see an increase in strength and endurance along with a higher metabolic rate, so meaning a faster metabolism. So an increased need for calories and for protein and increased cortisol. So we also want to be mindful of extra stress on the body during this time. So that's why the luteal phase is a great time to be engaging in strength training that isn't too intense or lasts too long. That way we don't spike cortisol even more. So I would say mat Pilates, weights, resistance bands, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I love all of this because like you said, you mentioned even different types of yoga. You could be doing yoga all month long, but there's different mm-hmm. types that will serve your body depending on what your hormones are doing at that time. Um, so I love that you can still be doing strength training throughout your whole mm-hmm. cycle, but you're going to change up the volume, how many sets and reps and how much cardio is involved with all of that, depending on how your body is feeling. And like you mentioned earlier on, luteal phase is the most complicated uh, because it feels different. It's the longest phase. You're coming out of ovulation, but then you're going into menstrual phase. So Mm -hmm. you can feel at the beginning of luteal phase, very much like follicular phase. You're still riding that high Mm -hmm. from ovulation. Things are starting to come down, but it almost mimics sometimes the levels of a follicular phase as far as hormones goes, as things are coming down as they were coming up in follicular phase. But then there is that switch, the closer and closer you get to actually bleeding, 
the more lower energy you you start to get. And that switch and transition looks different for everyone. And mm-hmm. the amount of days looks different for everyone. It also depends on what other things you're going through in your life. What other stressors mm-hmm. you have, the season of work you're in, if you have kids, you know, just what your Definitely. nutrition is like, your caffeine intake. There's so many things mm-hmm. that that can impact that. So I think there's this fear of luteal phase when people start to engage in cycle Mm. syncing. However, I would just empower you all listening right now to view luteal phase as an invitation. Like there's so much to discover and be curious and not judge yourself for not having the same energy that Mm. you did during ovulation or during follicular phase, but see that the energy that you have during luteal phase is such a gift and it can open a door for a different way to care for yourself and start to deepen that relationship with your body's innate wisdom. I I so agree, Abby. And it's funny because, yeah, I feel like that luteal phase where people tend to get the most nervous. It's what's you know, I think typically marked by like PMS, if you will, mm-hmm. um, or different, you know, lesser desirable symptoms that may be arising. Yes. Not even symptoms, just states of being. Right. And it's funny because I actually like the luteal phase the most. <laughs> I'm I'm currently in my luteal phase. Yes, I think it because while maybe the follicular phase or ovulation, things are a little bit more easygoing, if you will. Like my clients are often saying, like, oh, I feel like I'm at my baseline during that time period, mm. which is also an interesting way to look at it. But with the luteal phase, to your point, it really allows us to really listen. Like our body is going through so many changes that we can really feel and we can identify clearly. And so I actually think it provides this invitation, like you said, to really start to honor what's coming up and to start to be curious with ourselves too. Like, okay. You know what? I'm feeling really exhausted today, way more tired than I did a week ago, even though I want to do the same workout in my maybe more conscious mind. I want to go to the gym. I want to run 10 miles on the treadmill. But your body is saying, hey, our energy capacity right now isn't there. And so it really allows you to, again, engage in that partnership with your body of, okay, well, then what can I do? What can I do? Because I know I still want to add in movement. I still want to maybe go to the gym or do some level of cardio. And again, like you said too, you don't have to stop doing your favorite workouts depending on what cycle you're in, but maybe you moderate the intensity. Maybe it's even the mindset you go into it is different, right? In terms of, you know what, I'm just going to see where I go on the treadmill today and take it from there without, again, without that judgment with a bit more compassion. Mm. Oh, that's so. so good. Yes. Just being flexible with yourself. And I think that is such a skill and a lesson that people need to learn. Is that it really it's okay is. to go into a workout and not have a set plan, but just get on the treadmill mm-hmm. just start lifting weights and see intuitively what your body is up for doing that day and being okay with Definitely. that outcome. And some of the people that I follow on on social media that are really into weightlifting, strength training, and mm-hmm. just really in the, the fitness world have started to combat this notion that we need to decrease our intensity during luteal phase because they're like, you know, we have spent so much time focused on women empowerment that like now we're telling women that they can't lift weights. And uh, it's it's like, we're not telling you that you can't lift weights, but I know. you have to listen to your body. And I also think yeah. I've worked with so many clients that like have PCOS or are, you know, really mm-hmm. struggling coming off of birth control, like and very, you know, very much similar to your experience. Like they're just having these awful symptoms after being on a synthetic form of birth control for mm-hmm. a decade plus. 
they, when you start cycling and start, start this process, you need a very stark difference between follicular and ovulation and luteal and menstrual. I, I mm-hmm. truly, to try and get your body to start to feel the phases again. So I almost yeah. tell clients to collapse those two phases and really have a stark difference or else, and especially like with diet culture and this need to mm-hmm. be doing high intensity exercise all of the time. Yeah. Like we need to learn that lesson of giving ourselves grace and start to be attuned to our body's innate wisdom because we're so used to number one, not feeling that if you have birth control, that's suppressing it, but also just mm-hmm. diet culture telling us that we need to push through anyway, even if your body's not feeling it because we're relying on those external cues. So I'd be curious to hear like what you think about that and if you agree and you know, some of the rumblings from fitness people out there that are um, talking about cycle syncing specifically for the luteal phase. Yeah. So I'll just start off by saying, and I think you just touched on this and I'll reiterate it again, that when we're talking about cycle syncing, of course, we're talking about some frameworks of things that are better in one stage and another and listening to your body. But at no point is that saying that as a woman, you can't do this at this time period, right? It's always up to you. And again, going back more into the, the female empowerment side of it, the whole idea of cycle thinking is around empowerment. So we're not trying to disempower anyone from engaging in things they want to engage in. So let's just be like super clear about that. So that's number one. But number two is I think with the luteal phase, especially for those that are maybe really trying to optimize fitness and trying to uh, really understand more of like the biohacking and how to optimize their body and energy levels, it can actually be really interesting to get more into the hormone picture there. So like I mentioned too, cortisol tends to be higher during that time period, which means if we are pushing ourselves as hard as we can possibly go in that luteal phase, we are going to be stressing our adrenal glands out so much. And that is not going to be productive long-term in general for our overall muscle mass building. It can actually be really counterproductive to push yourself as hard as possible during the luteal phase. That gives people a lot to think about, a lot to digest when it comes to movement, exercise, working out. So we just empower you all to start exploring this in your own body. We're obviously not prescribing anything, but for the form of exercise that you like to do, start to explore this. And we also want to give you some self-care tips for each phase. So Amanda, what would you recommend for each phase? Yeah. So I mean, similar to what we were just saying with exercise too, number one will be to just sit into how you feel in your body in each phase. And I really do feel like the self-care practices that will be the most beneficial will be made pretty apparent if you just start to, again, meet yourself with some curiosity. But with that, a couple of things that I'll just put out there is, is during our bleed, so during our menstrual phase, when we tend to be very within ourselves, self-care can seem a little bit more intuitive again, right? I think it's more commonplace for women to understand when we're bleeding that we maybe want to have some chocolate to boost mood or maybe some rest or some hot tea. But I also want to put out there that your bleed is a really uh, powerful time of letting go. We are Mm. literally shutting whatever our body has built up and has been responding to for the last month. So I actually think it's a really wonderful time to reflect, maybe journal on the past month and notice what you want to let go of. So really bringing in that, that reflection and evaluation that way. Then during our follicular phase, We tend to have less vulnerability overall to stress. So self-care practices or self-soothing practices, I should say, are usually not front of mind. So I actually think it's a really great time 
to start to build out habits around self-care practices so that when things maybe are a little bit more heavy, you already have them in place mm. and you have the energy and the motivation during the follicular phase to start to build these out. So maybe you start your meditation practice. So that becomes a habit. Maybe you pick up a really fun hobby that you want to start engaging in to be your creative outlet. But I find that the follicular phase offers a lot of ripe opportunity for that exploration. Then ovulation, pretty similar to the follicular phase too. You know, you may not need soothing per se, but I like to encourage clients to lean into practices that will support their high confidence during this time and maybe sensuality or connection to others. So doing things that honestly make you feel sexy and beautiful, like giving yourself a self-oil massage or maybe getting dressed up and going on a girl's night out or a romantic date night, but connecting to others in some ways and to yourself. Mm. I also always like to put out there that dance, I feel like, is a really fun practice yes. to bring in during ovulation. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. And then the luteal phase. So like we just mentioned too, with working out, we have higher cortisol during this time period. So we can feel more reactive under stress. So something to keep in mind and the importance of self-care practices during this time period. And then especially towards the latter half of that luteal phase, when we have that dip in estrogen, our serotonin dips, our mood can start to dip, and we might potentially have a higher pain sensitivity too. So a really, really important time to start to listen to what your body needs and to create more space for yourself. And I always say the power of no during this time period is so important. So saying mm -hmm. no to engagements or events or projects or whatever it may be that you know won't serve you right now. And to instead surround yourself with people who make you feel safe and loved and to bring in the practices that hopefully you built out a little bit in the follicular phase mm -hmm. to connect you to your true self rather than you, just your emotional responses. So various meditations or breathwork practices or things of that nature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that is so good. And you even gave me some new ideas too and stuff that hasn't been said already on the it. podcast. So I really appreciate that and some of those new things. Now we know Great. corporate America, hello. Yes. We don't want to go there with the patriarchy, but especially with the Barbie movie just coming out, I feel like we need to go yeah. there and like we're having these discussions. But our menstrual cycle is just – it does not fit in corporate America. Corporate America is very nine to five and it fits the male hormone cycle, which cycles in – like well, we go through in about 28 days. Sometimes it's longer, shorter than for people, but about 28 days as women. Men go through in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So they actually have that – you know, the yeah. same rise and fall of the seasons too. Like they start their mornings, great follicular phase, riding that high, going to ovulation. But then as the afternoon goes and they really hit that three o'clock slump, that's kind of their luteal phase. They get home, they're kind of moody. And then menstrual phase, they've totally checked out. So that's why your significant other may be coming home. is like, I don't want to talk to you, but we're all chatty Cathy. Like, tell me about your day. Voila, this is what I did. And oh, mm -hmm. I have spent two years, I lived with two different men and I had the same experience with both of them that they were going through. Literally, they would get home and I'm like in my ovulation, like wanting to talk about my day and they're both in street luteal or menstrual. I'm like, great. Uh -huh. Love it. <laughs> um, so what would you say as far as like career, productivity, workplace, how can we yeah. optimize and align our life to our menstrual cycle in that sense? Yeah. And so I love the way that, that you teed that up too. I think it's really important to, to note the difference there because it's it's apparent and we all live through it, right? We can feel that in our relationships and in the workplace. And so with that, I also want to 
bring in the point here too that especially because of like the very historical and deep-rooted sexism that has been brought into the workplace with women that again we are not saying that there's not a period in a phase where you can't do something with work like as women we can do anything we want at any time we want so with that it's more that understanding our hormones allows us to maybe better understand what our strengths are at certain times um, or even just better understand what our responses are so we can be more compassionate with ourselves or more encouraging of ourselves too Mm -hmm. so during the menstrual phase um you know, I know there's a recommendation out there to like maybe take a day off work. Well, most of us can't usually do that. No, if you simply can, cannot. Wonderful power to you, but <laughs> yes, usually not the case. Um, so what I usually recommend to try and do is to prioritize, right? Mm. So not overexerting our energy, which we currently are already low on, and instead asking ourselves, you know, what really has to get done right now, and are there maybe less emotional or less energy intensive work projects that I can start to focus on for these few days. And then similar to the idea of the bleed being a time of letting go, um, a great time for evaluation. So I actually think this is a really wonderful time to start to have conversations with yourself around how am I feeling in my career? You know, Do I like what I'm doing? Is there something this last month that didn't really work for me? So again, bringing in that evaluation from a career perspective, I think can be really helpful during the menstrual phase. I always make a point whenever, whenever I'm bleeding to always ask myself those types of like introspective questions because I find it's when we have our our strongest intuition at least in my experience so Mm -hmm. then the follicular phase great time to start strategizing collaborating networking uh planting the seeds for new ideas right it's spring we're cultivating uh it's a great time for new projects new clients um big plans things of that nature. Then during ovulation, execution and communication are like the two, I would say, biggest factors. So if you're able to schedule a big presentation around your ovulation, I mean, amazing. You're probably going to crush it. Um, (laughs) Confidence will really carry you through there. Again, most of us can't really do that. So instead, just noticing when you ovulate, seeing how that transfers into your work projects, how your energy is higher, allows you to get things done, can be a a fun sort of self-study. And then also a really great time to go into a job interview or to schedule a big conversation with your boss about a raise or promotion because our energy is and our confidence is peaked during this time. And then luteal. I was like, which is the last one? Luteal. (laughs) So during luteal, we are our most sensitive, right? Mm. And this is a beautiful thing. But I think in the workplace, it's important to start to recognize that it may not be the best time for higher stress tasks. So a great time for more admin work. Again, if you have that flexibility there, great time to wrap up projects or to go into deep work with yourself in a project. So I think it's really just a great time to start to notice how you're feeling. And especially if you're maybe noticing that you're kind of tired at work and you don't know why and you're getting frustrated with yourself, or maybe if you're hurt by something a colleague did, but you feel like it's not usually how you'd react to that situation, to just start to have that self-inquiry of, okay, well, where am I at my cycle? Am I in my luteal phase? And if I am, can I offer myself some grace and compassion right now, knowing that information? And what can I do moving forward from that? So Mm. that's, I think, really the power of, of cycle syncing, especially in the workplace, is not an effort to control, you know, every single project, every single deadline, but rather to better understand what's going on in your body so that you can better understand how you're going to show up or move through different projects and how to utilize that understanding of yourself to support your own emotional well-being in the work.
place. Yes, I love that. And just as we mentioned with exercise, sometimes you might be approaching the same workout. So you might be doing the same task at work, but you shift your mindset and you say, okay, I'm in luteal phase right now. So you just wrap your head around that. My productivity might look different. This might take me longer than it did in follicular phase. Mm -hmm. I might have to be more reflective or speak slower or, you know, just really get my words. Sometimes with luteal phase, I'm like, like a brain fogs, not every cycle, but some cycles. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I was like, I really got to gather my own thoughts. And so just give yourself some grace, show yourself some warmth. And I was able to ask this question to Elisa BT at her book launch for her book in the flow. And uh, she just gave such a beautiful answer. And similar to what you were talking about, we can't control when we have a work presentation sometimes or when we have a job Mm -hmm. interview or when we have a really big event where we need to exert a lot of energy and be social, even if we feel called to turn inward and say no to social engagements and just be alone. Mm -hmm. So there's something we really have to exert that energy. However, you can plan ahead for that and say, okay, great. I can't control this. I got to put all my energy that I have into this one task, but I'm going to counterbalance it. I'm going to compensate. So I know the self-care is coming afterward. I know that I'm going to have all Saturday just myself with no plans. And I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. like luscious day to refill my pitcher. Oh, I, I love that. And I'll just personally add, like I mentioned earlier, so I'm in my luteal phase right now. Yeah. And I was like yesterday, I was like, oh gosh, like I really, I want to show up with full presence for the podcast. Usually I would be like, be like super sharp and super prepped. And similarly, I was like, well, I'm so excited to do this. There's no negotiation here for me to change the date or to, or to not show up. It's important for me to be here. So instead, what can I do to help bring in some self-care practices today so that I can feel like I can show up for this more collaborative, you know, more follicular phased project right. with uh, presence. And so right before this, I, I meditated for, you know, 10 minutes and just tried to connect back to myself, offer some ease, offer some grace, some compassion. And then similarly, my Saturday, very chill. That's the plan. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you for that real, real example. Now, the question that I always get when I talk about cycle seeking is like, what about me? What if I'm on birth control? What do I do? Yeah. And how do I approach cycle syncing? So what would you recommend? Yeah. So I know we spoke about this a little bit before in the past, but in general with birth control, because it is a dose of synthetic hormones that is going to shut off our own body's hormonal cues and instead keep us at a steady state. So we don't have those ebbs and flows, right? It's just keeping us at a steady level with our hormones. We are in many ways disconnected from those seasons. So it's a little bit hard to offer the same sort of tools around learning to listen because the messages are just going to be different, right? They're, they're not going to be the same as when we have those peaks and valleys. That being said, uh, you still can start to bring in different practices that overall support your hormone health. And especially if you're thinking about getting off birth control at some point, it just allows you to continue to flex that muscle of knowing kind of how to bring in different foods, different lifestyle interventions to just overwhelmingly support your body and its hormones for when they start to be revved back up or have those peaks and valleys later on. Mm -hmm. Right. Your body will already be ready for that. You'll have the habits in place. You'll be more aware of it too. Like it takes a little bit because we don't learn this in school. We don't learn about the different phases. So you're going to hear about this now, Mm -hmm. but you learn better by doing and internalizing it and experiencing it. So if you can do that for several months before you go off birth control or for years before you go off, it will be a smoother transition 
off. I mean, I've had clients get their period back and it's a very manageable cycle one or two mm-hmm. months after they go off of birth control just for cycle syncing for three months prior. Um, so yeah. it will really help with smoothing out that transition, but then also just making sure you have the lifestyle in place for when you do transition off. And it can also help to heal any underlying hormone imbalances that may be there that may have been the reason why you started on a synthetic form of birth control in the first place. Mm-hmm. Totally. Completely agree. Awesome. Um, so if someone is maybe off of birth control now and they're having a really irregular cycle and they want to start cycle syncing, where would you recommend that they start? Yeah. So I get this question a lot too, especially in my practice, because I feel like irregular periods, and that means whether you're not sure when they're going to come or if they're longer than you know 35 days or shorter than 25 or maybe heavy bleeding, uh, tends to be the norm in so many ways. Mm. So I kind of approach it from three different lenses. One is I really think above all else, it's important to try and figure out what may be causing those irregular periods. And that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients too, is can you start to gather information around what may be contributing to this irregularity that we're seeing, just so you have a better understanding of what your hormonal baseline is that we're working with. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two is, can you start to practice gentle ways of listening to your body? And I think a great place to start is regardless of whether you have a regular or irregular cycle, starting with the menstrual phase. So long as you are bleeding, I think that's a really wonderful time to really start to check in and listen to your body that way, knowing that then we have the follicular phase and you can start to see the subtle shifts in energy that are going on. And with that, I'd say it's really important to make sure that you also have the basics down. And those are rock solid before going into any of the intricacies of cycle syncing. So this goes for anyone really, but especially if you have an irregular cycle, that before you start trying to you know, change around work projects or fitness classes to match hormones, can we first make sure that we are providing a sense of safety in the body? From the get-go. So, right, can we nourish fully? Can we move our body respectfully? Can we care for our minds consistently? And from there, oftentimes I see in my practice that a lot of the menstrual irregularities already start to fall back into place. And then we can start to get even more detailed with cycle syncing. Yes. I I see the same thing with my clients as well. Like I won't even introduce cycle syncing until they have those foundations mm-hmm. there or else it really yeah. can turn into a diet and it can just be the plan that you're following and you can be so rigid with it. And diet culture just has a way of infiltrating all of the good things in our lives. And we don't want it to be like that. And it's a really okay. intuitive, flexible process. And there's so many different ways to cycle sync, which I hope that this episode has opened mm-hmm. y'all's mind up to that. But I totally agree, Amanda, you need the foundations there. You need to start like meal prepping grocery shopping consistently, uh, just caring for yourself, choosing any form of of movement and having a schedule for that, a morning and evening routine, like some of these very foundational drinking water, hello, hi, Uh, (laughs) less caffeine. Um, So yeah, you need some of those basic foundational things. And once you get into that groove, then it becomes very easy to loop in. Oh, okay. If I'm already exercising, now I can start to loop in and change up. Okay, what weights am I going to choose? Am I going to do cardio here or there? Am I going to do yin yoga or ashtanga? What am I going to do to kind of change it up? Because I already have that practice. Whereas if you don't and you just go into it, that's okay. I need to do ashtanga at this time. I need to do yin yoga at this time. Mm-hmm. I need to go for a walk at this. It's like, no, we don't need to do anything. We just exactly. 
<laughs> something. Exactly. And that's, I mean, I get that a lot. And I'm sure you do too, because again, both um, dietitians here, but around food a lot mm-hmm. is my clients will, both my clients and on Instagram, a lot of the questions I get is, oh, well, should I start eating, you know, omega-3 rich foods in that uh, premenstrual kind of ramp up? And I mean, the answer is yes, it's not going to hurt. In fact, it's it's lovely to add in. However, if you are filling the rest of your plate up with, you know, more processed foods or less whole foods or uh, foods that are not really serving your body, or if you're, again, more in a, a diet culture mindset or are cutting calories or are restricting, adding in that omega-3 rich food in the endoluteal phase likely isn't going to move the needle so much. And that's where, again, understanding how to fuel yourself fully and through an abundance mindset is always step one. And then we can start to talk about different seeds or vegetables or products to bring in at the different cycle phases. Yes, exactly. I totally agree. And I was having so much caffeine and I've shared this on my Instagram. I was having so much caffeine to study for my RD exam and Mm. I'm not proud of this, but I need to I need to be honest. I was having so much caffeine. Let it out. I'd be wired all day. I would need to take Benadryl to fall asleep. And then I'd be so tired because we know Benadryl just makes us feel so drowsy in the morning and almost hungover in a sense. I'd have to have even more caffeine the next day to wake me up because I'm like, I need to study for the RD exam. And it was horrible on my body. And that coupled with the stress of studying for the exam, I mean, my period was so late, breaking out so bad. A GI yeah. symptoms up the wazoo. It was a, it was a horrible experience, and oh. uh, I felt like I was choosing health in a lot of ways because I was meal prepping and I was moving my body and I was like, listening to myself. But in that sense, I, I wasn't listening to myself, and yeah. my body really took a hit. And y'all know that I'm not about restrictions and all foods fit. However. I am about intuitive eating. I am about listening to your body's cues and responding out of care, love, and respect for yourself. And that was an example of me listening to my body's cues. I knew my body wasn't responding to the caffeine well, but I suppressed those cues and I wasn't responding to my body's cues out of care, love, and respect for myself. So now I have really taken a step back from caffeine intake and it, it was rough at first. And I basically went cold turkey and now I'm starting to loop in some matcha, um, and you know some green tea there, and I know you love your matches, and I, I miss matcha. I miss having matcha <laughs> with you in New York City. I miss our little I like, French tea. Oh, I know. I really need to. <laughs> I, I do miss the city sometimes. I don't miss the cockroaches, but I do miss sure. the people and just you know the, the vibe of the city. I do miss that, and obviously the matchas. So that has been so helpful for me. And my last cycle was on time amazing, less breakouts. And I feel so good. I have so much more energy. And I'm like, wow, like speaking to what you were talking about, I didn't really have to change a lot, but Mm -hmm. I had to ask myself, okay, what is, if I could just do one thing or what is the thing that's really affecting my Mm -hmm. hormones the most? And I was like, the, the common denominator for me, the rate limiting step was the caffeine intake. Yeah, I, I so hear you. I got off, I still do my matcha, but I got off coffee, uh, I think about a year and a half ago too, because it just, it was that thing that was really making my cramps more painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's interesting and, and some conflicting research on that. But similarly, it's like when you start to pinpoint one or two things, alcohol for me too, I stopped drinking almost two years ago now too, just because I realized it wasn't serving my body and I didn't like the way I felt anymore when I drank it. And I didn't like how it was interacting with my hormones and my cycle. So again, it's it's having the foundations, but then also recognizing there might be 
you know, that one factor that your body is really sensitive to. And I also talk to my clients about that with travel, right? Mm. And when we when we're traveling, when we disrupt our routine like that, when we go into a different time zone especially, it's stressful on the body. Yeah. And as a result, your cycle might be totally off that month. And that's okay. It's not that you did something wrong, right? It's not about the judgment there. If you had the coffee and the Benadryl, it's not that you're <laughs> judging yourself or that you're, you know, angry. It's rather like, okay, I have more information about what works for me and what doesn't. And I now know how to move forward um, either to better support myself or now support myself given the reaction that it had to X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And I really needed to employ that for sure for myself. I needed to show myself some more warmth and understanding. And yeah. I'm so happy that it because I'm feeling so much better now. It feels good. I love that. I, I do want to nod to because I get asked about it a lot. And this is one that's not backed by research. So I like to be clear about that. But if you're someone who especially is not cycling um, or you have really irregular cycles, then from a more functional medicine perspective and also different cultural wisdom practices, um, you can start to look into potentially different moon phases and seed cycling. So again, that's like a whole other topic, but just want to put it out there too, because it is something that is recommended depending on what practitioner you're going to around uh, syncing to your cycle with irregular periods. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. And if people have more specific questions on that too, please you know, message Amanda and I, because we have both walked clients through that with the face of the moon and seed mm -hmm. cycling too. So yeah, please, you know, message all of us and we're linking up Amanda's, you know, Instagram website, all the things for Amanda in the show notes. So definitely check that out. Follow her. Um, is there anything that you're promoting right now or because I know you have your practice yes. as well? Yeah. So, I mean, as you know, I, I only work with women who are trying to support their hormones. So this is what I do day, day in and day out. Um, but with that, I'm actually coming out with a, a body wisdom kind of mini course at the end of the month, okay. which is going to be all about aligning your life to your hormonal phases. So keep keep an eye out for that. It's coming soon. Slay, girl. Oh, I love that Thank so you. much. Yes, we will definitely get that in the show notes. Depending on when you're listening and when you're launching, we can update the show notes as well. Um, so we'll make sure that that's in there. Um, when that launches. Perfect. Okay. Amazing. And then we always end our episodes with, um, what are you going to do this week to make your week better? Just a little something, something from a healthy habit or cycle syncing standpoint. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I'm in my luteal phase. So I am connecting to self. I am meditating. I've fallen off my meditation bandwagon a little bit. So I'm bringing that back in going to make it a point today. And I've been like really craving chocolate, which I think mm. I said that already earlier in the episode. <laughs> so it's on my mind. So I'm going to be getting some chocolate and enjoying that fully. Yes, as you should, girl. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Amanda. I really appreciate you and your wisdom and your inner wisdom. Because when you do that for yourself, I mean, you can't help anyone transform past what you have gone through yourself. So thank you so much for leaning in, getting curious with yourself, going through these transformations because it's not easy and working on healing because you have so much wisdom to provide all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Abby. Love you, girl. You, Bye. You. Bye. 
Hey, y'all. Thanks again for listening to the Be About Being Better podcast. I so appreciate you. If this episode made you laugh, smile, think about yourself or your life differently, in any way making your life better, I empower you to share this show with three people who, just like you, need to hear this message and have this type of transformation in their lives. I personally read all the reviews of the show and see the Instagram story shares and honestly gives me so much joy to see that our mission is making people's lives better and the reviews really do help in increasing our impact so thank you so much for taking the time to do that if you need personalized support with anything discussed in today's episode or need help creating a sustainable diet-free lifestyle take my quiz it's linked below in the show notes and that quiz will help you see which one of our coaching programs is right for you thank you so much again for listening and here's to being about being better